What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Ranking Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I am uh, pleased to be on this wild Thursday night. And by the way, this is the third time I've done this intro. My computer and microphone are all screwed up. So my poor colleague at Marcus underscore Mosher has had to wait three times for us to do this. Here we are. It's a wild, wild Thursday night post game. What do you got? I once again, you're going to get me very furious after a uh, after a primetime game after a team blew a 16 to three lead. Why can't these teams just put away games and just make it easy? I don't get it. Oh, tell me why can't? Th- oh, sorry, that's a Van Halen song. Um, all right. I know what you're referring to. I, I look, you want to Dennis do the Baker Allen. the Raider thing first because I think Baker's obviously the uh, what probably people want to talk about, right? It's, I mean, so I will say this: uh, people are geeking out about the two days. That to me is not the headliner here. Um, and by the way, this has happened before. This kind of thing, maybe not two days. It happened on three days. Uh, but I'll get to that later. I just think it's incredible because I told you the other day we talked about Baker and I, you, I mean, dude, I tried to defend him. I said, look, I know he hasn't had a good year. I know people are t- treating him like garbage, but this is a guy that's had a lot of su- success in the NFL. This is not Johnny Manziel. That's what I told you the other day. So I was really happy for him. And there was nothing fluky about those throws. I mean, Yes, Skoranek made a great play on that ball, but he put it up where Skoranek could do it. The touchdown to Van Jefferson was a dime, total Mm -hmm. dime. Um, Even before they got really going on those last two drives, I thought he made some nice throws. He made uh, a few nice throws. I mean, the offense was crap the first three and a half quarters of this game, but he made a few nice throws. Yeah, but if we take Baker out of it, the Rams offense has been crap for a while now. Without Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson has been a poor fit most of the season. They cut a running back a couple of weeks ago. They've Their running game has been I mean, hit or miss. Their defense has been having to carry him now for weeks. Remember the Tampa Bay game where Jalen Ramsey complained? The Kansas City game where they started Bryce Perkins and the defense had to carry them? I think with or without Baker Mayfield, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is even if that was Matt Stafford healthy in there, this offense has struggled. Yeah, I mean, I think Baker played about as well as he could reasonably considering he's only been there for two days or whatever. And considering the the talent at receiver and the talent on the offensive line, it's just, I don't think we need to make these big sweeping arguments and decisions about Baker Mayfield after one game. Like, I don't think Sean McVay, I don't don't think we need to say that Sean McVay worked his, his latest miracle or that Cleveland and Carolina were just bad situations and he had bad coaches there. Like, let's just relax a little bit. Well, I don't know. I think with Cleveland, he had plenty of time to work things out there. I do know that he played hurt last year. I've mentioned that several times, but he had a lot of bad moments, a lot of inconsistency. Carolina, I'm willing to give him a pass on because Carolina has not been able to get their quarterback situation right at all. And maybe some blame does fall on the organization there. Uh, So I'll split that one down the middle with you. Um, I'll just say to you this, that, this is a guy that's not only had success in the NFL, but he's been labeled immature and has a bad attitude. If you watched him on the sideline and with his teammates, it sure doesn't seem like that. And I'll say, and I don't know what goes on behind behind closed doors, 
But I also say I was really impressed with something he said in post game. He said, Hey man, I just want to give a shout out to my Panthers teammates because those guys stuck with me. And you know, he didn't have to say that. This is his big moment. The Panthers stink. Um, I thought that shows a lot of class. Yeah. I, I mean, it, maybe being re- traded and waived has humbled him a little bit. I hope that's the case sure. because I, I do like, I like Baker coming out of the draft. I, I, I hope this kind of revitalizes his career, but I've got more thoughts on the other side of the ball. So please, if you'd like to continue on Baker, go right ahead. I just, I'll say a couple things here. What I like, because we've all been so negative on him. What I like about Baker, first of all, I like the energy. Don't you Mm -hmm. feel like he brings a little bit of energy? We've talked about that with Taylor Heineke this year. Uh, Just in his movements, you know, um, he's very quick, too. Like on the rollouts, things like that. He gets it going. There's a certain energy to his game. He also throws a really catchable ball. He has excellent touch, I think, on the intermediate to deeper throws. I know we, I, you're a big combine guy, and they're always evaluating arm strength, but there's no real test in the combine to to gauge touch, is there? Like real genuine no, touch really. on on intermediate and deep throws. And certain quarterbacks have it, and certain quarterbacks don't. Baker Mayfield definitely has it. So if he can get – and don't you think his arm is NFL strong enough? Oh, definitely. He's got a great arm. There's no, yeah, no problem with his arm at all. Yeah, he may not have Matt Stafford's arm, um, but he's not that far off. And um, he's mobile. I think he's pretty tough. Uh, I don't think you can take that from him. And also, last thing I'll say here, um, we talk about this guy a lot, so I'm going to apologize in advance to everybody. But Marcus and I love Max Crosby. Max Crosby was, once again, putting on a clinic. Baker Mayfield was under some pressure on some of these Mm -hmm. throws, too. That's what made it more impressive to me. I 100% agree. Uh, Again, I think he played as well as you could expect a quarterback that got there less than 48 hours ago. All right, let's talk about the Raiders bungling this from a strategic standpoint. What did you like the least about how they handled the third and fourth quarter? Late third, all the fourth. The... I'll start with the decision to punt on fourth and one. I know they got an awesome punt, right? And that helped. They got A.J. Cole pinned them inside the three-yard line, whatever. I think Josh McDaniels messed up the fourth and one call so bad. It was really a fourth and inches with two minutes left, and the Raiders had all three timeouts. So I think it was at the like the 25-yard line, the 25-yard line. What's the worst-case scenario that happens there, Elliot? You, you don't get it and the Rams score the go-ahead touchdown with, because you're so close, what, a minute left? Maybe 50 seconds left in all three timeouts? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think of it from that standpoint. So I'll give because you credit for Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, you, it, with the, the Rams, after the two-minute warning, had zero timeouts left, right? You get the yard, the game is over. I just... To me, I always want it to put it in the hands of my offense. Go get a yard, game is over. You, you don't have to worry about fluky stuff that happens on defense. Just like it happened on this drive where you get you know, a, a pass interference on a third down, right, when you have the interception, or you get a dumb penalty where the ref decides to throw a flag for knocking the ball out afterwards, right? You just take away that kind of stuff. Go for it, Josh McDaniels. Bill Belichick did against Peyton Manning, right? He, he did it. He got a lot of flack for it, but he did it. We've seen this across the NFL that teams are going for it. 
have some uh, cojones and trust your offense and trust your running back who was running really, really well and got you to fourth and inches anyways. I'll say this to you, though. Bill Belichick did that because they could not stop Peyton Manning. The Rams' offense had been horrible the entire night. They had to work really hard to get the one touchdown drive. I think what the the thought process there was, we punt, we get a good punt. They're not going to be able to put another drive on us, not with Baker and that offense. However, however, look at what the Raiders have done all season in that exact situation. Kyler Murray. In that basically same situation, went yeah, down, got the touchdown, got the two-point conversion. The Colts did it with Matt Ryan earlier in the year. The Saints did it uh, earlier this year. They scored 24 points on them. When the Raiders have been in that situation, they've never gotten a stop. So why all of a sudden think you can get it now? I understand where you're coming from, but I do, I do think those situations are a little different given Baker Mayfield's uh, situation here with the Rams where – the Rams had put up three points the whole game. They finally got a touchdown. I, I think it's a little different going against a, a hot Kyler Murray like they were in that game. But I, I do see your point because I, it's not so much I see your point because of the quarterback situation. I see your point in leaving yourself time on the back end with your timeouts to be able to go get a field goal, especially with a kicker like Carlson. Where you have to get across the 50-yard line and you have a chance. Um, the other kind of takeaway I had from in, in this game is that was a horrific performance by Derek Carr. And I think it's those type of performances where you really wonder, should we move on after the year? Uh, Ellie, I'm going to read you his, his drives starting at the end of the second quarter. He had an interception in the red zone, which if he just eats it on the sack at the 10 yard line, they go up 16, three and halftime. The game's probably over at that point. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. rest of the way, three plays, nine yards, punt, three plays, eight yards, punt, eight plays, 31 yards, field goal, three plays, nine yards, punt, one play, uh, interception and the game. Derek Carr had 11 passing yards from the second, from the last drive of the second quarter throughout the rest of the game. He was awful. And it's not only that he was bad. There was situations where perfect example, it's third and two. From your own 25, you just went back-to-back three and outs. Just go get the first down. Instead, what does he do? He throws a ball 50 yards down the sideline against Jalen Ramsey to Devontae Adams and throws the ball out of bounds. Just dump it to your running back or dump it to your tight end. Get the first down and keep the chains moving. I thought Derek Carr had a horrific game. Well, uh, I mean, just – looking at their point total alone and how little the Rams were doing offensively. This was a game really the Raiders could have taken major control of uh, in the third quarter, I think. But um, a a couple of notes uh, just to kind of keep it a little more positive, because I don't disagree with you about Derek Carr. This has not been a good year for him. And I wonder what they're going to do as an organization, but uh, I already mentioned Max Crosby. Um, you mentioned that Nick Bosa, you think, was defensive player of the year, then probably Micah Parsons second. Uh-huh. But at some point, man, like, I don't care what the sack numbers are. Just watch the games. Who's better than Max Crosby? Watch the games. Yeah, you know? and Crosby's having an awesome season. He got held like 15 times in this game. Yeah. They couldn't call them all. I No, I mean, I 
Is there a better defensive player in the NFL? Is Micah better than Max Crosby? I like that. You look, I grew up in Dallas. I like Micah Parsons. I don't think he's better than Max Crosby. He may be able to do more, but Max Crosby, for what he's asked to do, how can you play better than that? Yeah, I mean, I I would lean Parsons there, but Crosby again. It's not taking anything away from Crosby. He's been amazing. I'm pretty sure Crosby's drawn more penalties than Micah. Probably. But again, I also know that Micah can do more things, and I get that. Um, I just i I think everybody knows who Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons is. I don't think Max Crosby still still I don't think he quite gets that kind of credit. Uh, street cred that Bosa and Micah Parsons get. Um, one point I wanted to make speak while we're talking about defense is if you watch this game tonight, there was one guy that stuck out on the field is that's a first ballot hall of famer right there. Yeah. Yep. You, you know, who I'm going with this. Yeah. I think uh, uh, beak Robertson. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, Bobby Wagner was Bobby Wagner is awesome. He is, I mean, dude, is there any off the ball linebacker in his even stratosphere? Luke Keekley is the only guy I can think of, and he's out of the league. Yeah, no, it's it's Wagner. Yep. He made how many plays did he make tonight that were just like damn five? The one that he had on Derek Carr, where he beat Derek Carr to the the to the uh, first down marker in the second half, was unbelievable. Oh my gosh! I, I know you were frustrated when Demarcus Ware didn't make the Hall this past year. If Bobby Wagner doesn't break dance into the Hall of Fame, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. I, it's just, I and I don't think anybody knew he was going to be this good. I certainly didn't think he was going to be this good in year twelve for the Rams. It no. still looks weird, by the way, him wearing forty five. I don't mind it. I but I kind of like it, but I kind of like it. Um, so those were a couple of thoughts um, I had on the game. You mentioned the punt. You didn't like them punting, but I got to say that that was a great punt. It was an awesome punt. punt. Yeah, oh it was an God. incredible punt. It might I have been too that. good, to be honest, right? Because if it's oh not so good, the maybe the Rams score a little bit quicker and the Raiders have some time at the end. Right, right. Uh, so just getting back to Baker real quick before we get off this game, a uh, couple of things. Number one, I really hope, that he goes back to his hotel room tonight or whatever and chills. Focus on what just happened and be thankful for your abundance. Be thankful you've gotten yourself out of a situation in your career. It, would you agree with me that it was getting close to uh, end of days for Baker Mayfield's career as an NFL starter? I mean, we may um, not have quite been there yet, but I mean, we I think were really we're still, close. To be fair, I think we're still there. Okay. Don't screw this up. And and I don't mean he's going to go out and do something dumb, but sometimes, man, when you have great success, it's great just to sit by yourself and not have all these other hangers on or people around you and literally just be thankful and, and think about what it took for you to be able to do that. Because I guarantee you, he had to really focus the last couple of days. The other thing about him is... I agreed with Kirk Herbstreet. It felt like he was just kind of playing out there, you know, not thinking it. Just who's my guy? Who's my number one read? Is he open? He's not. Okay. Um, And not overthinking it. Uh, My last thought, uh, not specifically to Baker, but I mentioned this had happened in NFL history before. Uh, Bill Belichick, when he was a Cleveland Browns head coach, cut Bernie Kosar 
on a Tuesday. The Cowboys signed him on a Wednesday. Bernie Kosar flew into Dallas on a Thursday. And he entered the game on a Sunday against the Cardinals. Jason Garrett started the game, played like a quarter, kind of like Wofford did tonight. And Bernie Kosar came into the game against the Cardinals in 93 and uh, beat – back then the Cardinals were in the NFC East and beat the Cardinals on two days practice. He was with the Cowboys for like three and a half days but had two days practice. So this kind of thing has happened before. I didn't know if you were familiar with that story but um i also remember the Vikings signing josh freeman like three days before monday night football and starting him that played out a little bit differently but was that against the jets uh no no it was against giants giants the jets was when brett Favre threw a touchdown to randy moss do you remember that randy moss had come back to minnesota yes um that worked out not very well um anyway bernie kozar just to finish this off, Bernie Kozar had to play that game. He didn't really play much the rest of the year, but in the NFC Championship game that year, Troy Aikman got concussed in the third quarter. Bernie Kozar had to come into the game, and he led the Cowboys uh, to the Super Bowl. And that's a story a lot of people forget. It was actually Bernie Kozar, very similar to remember when Drew Bledsoe had to come in for Tom Brady in the 01 AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. Same kind mm-hmm. of deal. And – uh threw a touchdown to Alvin Harper and the Cowboys ended up playing the bills for the second straight year. But Troy Aikman was ready for the Super Bowl. Anyway, this kind of thing has happened before. Uh, I think it's ironic that uh, Bernie Cars- Kozar was a, he was a supplemental draft pick by Cleveland, but a top pick just like Baker Mayfield. And they both did the same thing. I can't think of any other story quite like this though. You don't want to talk more about Josh Freeman starting for the Vikings going 20 no, 53. No, I- no, I don't want to talk about it. Josh Freeman had, did have one really good year. I think it was 2009 yeah. with the Bucks. Yeah, but not with Raheem Bucks. Morris, uh, incidentally. Uh, Raheem Morris, who coached in the game tonight. I got to ask you a question about the, the Raiders yeah. before, we, before we move on. First of all. Great look. Great that's look. All I, gonna, I, I wasn't going to ask about the jerseys. but Come on, though. But first I mean, of all, really. They, just such a devastating loss for them because you look at their schedule and it's very realistic that they could have gotten to like mm-hmm. nine and seven going into the final week of the season. Now their playoff hopes are completely over. Just a bummer. But yeah. what do you do with Josh McDaniels? Because this is – You told me he was safe. I, I you mean – You told me he was safe. It probably is. But when when you blow they, – they've already lost four games, Elliot, this year where they've had double-digit leads in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I know. I smell what you're stepping in. Um, That's why I asked you this a couple of weeks ago, you know. But um, now that you've this feels like the worst of the losses. It's pretty bad, but sometimes I, I will say this. I think the Raiders coverage was there. I was I agreed with Baker in um, in the post game. He mentioned he couldn't believe the Raiders played the last play the way that they did, and I agree with that. But sometimes you just get beat by a guy that gets a hot hand, and there's nothing you can do about it. I think the stronger point here is two things. One, you mentioned Derek Carr's poor play. Derek Carr's poor play, to me, Marcus, is more of a reflection of Josh McDaniels. 
mm-hmm. than not going for it on fourth down from your own 25 against a quarterback that's only been with the team for two days. That and the undisciplined penalties. They had almost 100 yards in penalties, and they had Cleveland Farrell jump, jumped off sides on a fourth oh, down. Oh, that was a big one. That when was the Rams were punting. Uh, Jerry Tillery had Tillery's a- penalty was the dumbest. That was so right up there with um, – oh, gosh, now I'm forgetting. The Minnesota-Pittsburgh game last year, signaling for the first down. Chase Claypool. Yep. Yeah, that was that was that dumb of play. Because you just um, – you stop the clock and you give them 15 free yards. Absolutely, and that's a big chunk of yards when a team's got to drive 98. Um, I'm just saying that – remember what we were talking about the Bears the other day and for our Power Rankings podcast, and you mentioned, hey, isn't it concerning – even though the Bears have gotten rid of personnel, that Matt Eberflus was hired and you would like to see some improvement from the defense and you're not seeing it. Well, Josh McDaniels, wouldn't you expect Derek Carr to be playing at least as good as last year when Rich Bisaccia had to take over a special teams coach? Rich Bisaccia is literally coaching special teams in Green Bay right now. Mm-hmm. And Derek Carr played better under him than he has for Josh McDaniels. I think that is, again, more reflective of a failed season than not going for it on your own 25. Because honestly, Marcus, I think 28 coaches in the league wouldn't have gone for it there. Because, the, and maybe you think that's wrong, but you you have to admit coaches do typically play it safe. They do. Um, although we've, we've seen some coaches kind of go for it in situations like that this year. More so than Lovey usual. Smith. I, not Lovey Smith. Um, I I just can't get over how bad Derek Carr played. I he's too talented of a quarterback to have eleven passing yards in his final seven possessions of this game, and then the interception. I, the interception that he had before halftime is so bad. That's the kind of mistake that I would expect undrafted rookie free agent quarterback to make. There's nothing open. You're getting hit. Don't throw the ball. Just, you're you're up 13 to three. Just throw it out of the back of the end zone, kick the field goal, go into halftime. It's I I I think the Raiders for the first time since drafting Derek Carr have to have some serious thoughts about we know he's a good quarterback, but is he the right quarterback for us over the next five years? Right, and there's a difference between being a good quarterback that can get you to nine and eight, and a quarterback that you think you have a chance with. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm with you on that. I I I'll be honest. I was a little disappointed with the third down call before the fourth down that they punted on. Um, I thought Kirk Herbstreit did a good job pointing out what they were trying to do in the formation, kind of sneak Josh Jacobs there at the fullback spot. But the problem is when you're basically like an up back or a fullback, you don't really get a lot of momentum to try to get that play. And when the linebacker shot the gap, uh, once once they saw where he was lined up, it's like Bobby Wagner knew exactly what was going to go on there. I'd have been much more – I would rather than play the power eye like they did before with the fullback. I, I don't have any yard. problem with that call if the idea is, hey, we're just going to try to get a yard. If we get st- sh- stopped a half a yard short, we're going for it on the extent anyways. We're just going to do a quarterback stick. But right? they weren't. But that's, that's the, the thing. problem. They weren't. Yeah. Man, oh, man. Uh, what a game tonight. Um, obviously, Baker Mayfield's the headliner. I think you're making a astute point on Derek Carr, and we'll see what happens with Josh McDaniels. Either way – I think this is the nail in the coffin on the Raiders' playoff hopes. 
And with Baker Mayfield, I think he opened the door from the tomb uh, of his NFL career. I'm not saying this saves his career, but it certainly showed that the guy can play. Um, so if you think, if anyone thinks there's an erosion of talent, watch the tape from this game. Uh, can I give you a Kirk Herbstreet thought before we move on? Yeah. Yeah. I think I figured out why he's better on college football games than he is on Thursday night football. And I actually think you saw a little bit at the end of this game is if you, when you, when I was watching the first half of this game, there was no crowd noise at all. And that's just because partly this game was in LA, right? There was like 75% Raider fans. And he's almost like whispering during the game. Like, hey, don't get too loud. I just want to make sure it's it's nice and quiet and we're not being too loud in the press box. But when you hear him on the college game and they're right there, the fans are so loud and he's basically having to scream into the microphone. It just, he has more energy when he has to be a little mm-hmm. bit louder. And he... He is one of these announcers that just feeds off the crowd and the energy. And they just haven't had that the last four, five, six weeks in any of these games. It's been pretty dead. And I think in the fourth quarter, once it got to be a little bit noisier, you saw a better Herb Street and better Michaels. You mean they didn't have that in Saints Cardinals? Uh, no. Even no. Bills, was it Bills Patriots last week? That Was that game in New England, though? Yeah, I... I I mean, I definitely sense what you're saying here. I I think it's it's an interesting way to look at it, but I got to be honest. I thought the crew did a better job tonight, but the energy is still lacking. It's still lacking. And um, I, I honestly think that just comes from the environment, right? If this was a big game, right? If this was if this game was in Seattle and it's Seattle Rams, I think he is way more fired up. Maybe so. I I still say I think the best person on the entire coverage is Ryan Fitzpatrick to me. Um, I'm the most interested in what he has to say. And I think Sherm brings a lot of energy. Um, but um, overall, I'm still not a huge fan of the Thursday night product. Uh, we don't have to spend all podcast talking about it. Um, either way, uh, one of the important things that we need to get to here, though, really important things, is that Marcus didn't do his homework assignment. We were supposed to do a movie swap. Marcus was supposed to watch Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. He didn't. But I got my email notification yesterday from Apple saying your account was charged. And I was like, oh, what did I get charged for? Three ninety nine for having to rent Failure to Launch. Did they pay you three ninety nine? No, they didn't pay oh. me. Oh, so you had I, to pay I have to watch the movie. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts here okay. on uh, failure to launch. Uh, Derek Carr, story of his Thursday night game. Um, okay, number one, first and foremost, I want you to, I'm in a writing class, and I have some really talented female writers in my class, and I ask them, I go, do these kind of movies bother y'all? And they said, why? Because our, our instructor always asks us, he'll say, did anyone watch anything interesting this week? And I said, well, I watched Failure to Launch. And I asked, I asked the gals in my class, and they, one of them nodded yes. And I was like, because the writing is so bad. It's so bad that it's insulting. Like, I know they market these kind of movies to women, but what? What woman watches a movie like Failure to Launch and says, "Oh yeah, this is really good stuff." I mean, it's this is my like mom and my a, wife. Okay, right. I know your wife likes it. This 
movie reminded me of like marketing adjacent stay of the movie to guys mm-hmm. where he's going after a prehistoric shark and he's not only an action star, but he's also a paleontologist on the side and an expert submarine captain, apparently. And when he doesn't even see the shark and somebody talks about it, he goes, it's a Megalodon. I guess you never saw the Meg. I've seen it. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> Almost as bad as Sharknado. <laughs> Do you remember the part where they're, he's going down in the sub, but he doesn't see the shark? The, the other sub gets attacked, yes. and they don't know what it is, and he goes, it's a Megalodon. Yeah, so that's what I thought. a very of. bad movie. So that's what I thought of when I was watching Failure to Launch. I'm like, this is marketing this movie to women the way the Meg is marketed to men. Can I explain though why women like this movie? Yes, please explain. At least, at least, at least the women that I know, my wife and my mom, yeah. they like it because they could they can watch it, and if they need to get up and do something around the house or they need to go take care of something, they can miss four minutes of dialogue and pick right back up and not really feel like they've missed anything, right? Yeah, it's not a super complex movie. It's not something you have to watch. You know, you can't be on your phone playing a game, watching. There is an appeal to movies where you can kind of just turn off your brain for 90 minutes and just digest whatever they're selling you and then be done with it when it's over. So it's kind of like a Davis Mills game. You can get up, go to the kitchen. You're not going to miss any great throws. I get oh, it. You just put the jigs on them against our Cowboys this weekend. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just, you know, so I asked the the female writers in my class. They totally agreed with me. They said it's annoying and it's terrible. And yeah, um, look, I have nothing against rom-coms. I just like rom-coms that are well done. You know, like Pretty Woman was well done. You know, When Harry Met Sally was well done. If you want something more recent, fine. Crazy Stupid Love. I love that movie. I love that movie. It's well done. What's your favorite rom-com of all time? It might be Crazy Stupid Love. It, it might be like I that movie's really good. It's really good. If I need something a little more borderline, like it's not a great movie, it can be kind of cheesy, but it's well done. How about The Intern with Robert De Niro? That's a good one. That's not really. Yeah. Well, would you call that a rom com? Maybe not. Maybe not. It's more yeah, of a, it's feel a good movie. Good. It's a it's a feel good. Um, I just want to mention something about Mary is the best rom-com of all time. Oh, something about Mary's fantastic. I mean, you know, I was just putting some hair gel on my hair today. Um, so I was going to say, I, was gonna, <laughs> I don't know if I can leave that in the podcast, but you can, yeah, let me tell you something. So I just want y'all all to know the premise of this movie that my co-host made me watch here. Okay. It's about three dudes. All right. It's Matthew McConaughey. Okay, Uh, it's Bradley Cooper and it's the kind of quirky guy from um, what's the Nicolas Cage history movie? Uh, National Treasure. I think it's Justin Bartha, I believe is his name. Yeah, the dude that like sets up laptops and, you Mm -hmm. know, he plays a lot of D&D, that dude. Right. Yeah. And he's got like cameras everywhere. Those are the three guys. They all live at home. And but Matthew McConaughey uses living at home to help him break up with women when they get too serious. So first of all, when he's on dates with these women, I just keep waiting for him to say, I didn't mean to buy Lincoln. I, as, the whole time. As, as he's rolling up a booger, right? Yes. I mean, I mean, dude, first of all, 
I like Matthew McConaughey, but I liked him a lot better in Contact when he was kind of a nobody with Jodie Foster. And I like him better now that he's taking serious roles. This was like the era of his career where literally every scene, he's like trying to be a heartthrob. He's the guy with the brown leather jacket on the sideline of UT USC acting like he's UT's biggest fan of all time. That's the Matthew McConaughey I don't like. And so, first of all, no girl is going to fall in love with you if they don't think you have your own place. I mean, what's he doing? Going to Bennigan's with them every date? Going over to their place? Like, it's it's so silly. And then when he goes home, spoiler alert, everybody. disagree with that, but go ahead. His dad is Terry Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. Now, it's one thing to see Terry Bradshaw on Fox NFL Sunday. It's one thing to see Terry Bradshaw throwing deep balls uh, to John Stallworth and Lynn Swan. It's another, thing, balls in this game. It's, another, it's another thing to see Terry Bradshaw's balls. <laughs> and I might have caught a glimpse because they show There's him some nudity that. in this movie. And it's Terry Bradshaw nudity, okay? It's, it's not... Somebody else's nudity. It's yeah. Terry Bradshaw's nudity. And he's got a saggy butt and it's hard to watch. And it makes me, I didn't sign up for TRT, but I may have to sign up for TRT if my butt's going to look like that. Um, okay. So wait, wait, so, wait. I, I need your overall grade of this movie. I will say this. It did get a little better. Like I was curious to see what was going to happen his love interest this is a matthew mcconaughey sarah jessica parker vehicle which is kind of like a Derek carr uh (laughs) i can't even think of a good i was trying to think of some spare raiders receiver from like five years ago vehicle and i couldn't think of somebody jacoby ford (laughs) yeah jacoby ford exactly vehicle um okay it gets a little better. You want to know, look, Sarah Jessica Parker gets hired by Matthew McConaughey's parents to basically uh, fall for him, fake it, falling for him, and he'll fall for her. And in order to be with her, he moves out of the parents' house. So then Terry Bradshaw and his wife are excited. His wife is played by, um, oh, I can't remember her name now. Uh, she had a hot tub scene and about Schmidt that really uh, bothered a so lot of people. <laughs> no, it's Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. No, it's not. It's definitely not Zoe Deschanel's not his mother. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it's Kathy Bates. Yeah. So anyway, Kathy Bates and Terry Bradshaw hire Sarah Jessica Parker, who does this for a living. She gets guys like Bradley Cooper and Bradley Cooper plays kind of like the same psycho dude. He played in, uh, the wedding crashers movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is early Bradley Cooper. Okay. Um, his demo, right? Yeah. Demo, which is okay. Yeah. Right. And then the quirky guy from national treasure plays the quirky guy from national yeah, treasure Ace. in this, in this movie. Uh, he's setting up like computers and home cameras and stuff, just like yep. in national treasure. Yep. So you've Ace. got a national treasure subplot going while uh, the parents of Bradley Cooper are trying, I mean, uh, parents of Matthew McConaughey are trying to get him out of the house. And they do that by hiring Sarah Jessica Parker, who's a professional at this, by getting guys to fall for her. And then they move out. They want to be, you know, uh, successful to be with her, I guess, and build something with her. And she gets him out of the house and then she breaks up with them. And it doesn't work out. 
Well, Matthew don't ruin the movie. What's that? Don't ruin the whole movie. All right, I won't you. tell you. I won't. I won't tell you what happens. I will Jeez. tell you the best part of the movie, the highlight of the movie, without question, is Zoe Deschanel is Sarah Jessica Parker's roommate, and never mind that Sarah Jessica Parker was already like forty when this movie came out, and it's a little odd that she'd have a roommate, but whatever. You know what happens. You know, uh, tough times. Uh, there's a mockingbird outside of her window and it won't shut up the whole movie. Mm -hmm. So her and the national treasure guy try to shoot the mockingbird and they do, they kill a mockingbird and well, they thought they kill it and then they have to give it CPR. And that might be the best part of the entire movie. No, it is the, the best part of the entire The best movie. part of the movie is just Matt McConaughey's character's name. Do you remember what his name is? Oh, trip, right? Trip. Yeah, Trip, Demo, and Ace. That's what the screenwriter came up with here, guys. Okay? Yeah, but Sarah Jessica Parker's uh, character's name is Paula. I can handle That's fine. And she was actually decent in the movie. It's it's the screenwriter that I'm more angry with. So uh, I, I saw uh, CinemaScore, which is like some of the, uh, the top uh, critics. They review mm-hmm. this movie. They give it grades from A plus to F. They mm-hmm. gave this one A minus. Do you know what Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie? Like a 25, 26? 23%. Yeah. A little low. It's fine. Unintentional comedy scene. Uh, when they're all playing video games together, playing like a, a football game or something. And it's so obvious that Bradley no, Cooper and Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> they've never played a football game at, ever. Uh, so there you go. There is your failure to launch book report. I don't want to take up any more of our podcast. Um, by all means, run it. Let me know what you guys think. Um, I'm, I'm not sure all of our it. It's it's classic. I'm going to go C minus. Is that a fair grade? For yeah, this that's movie? fine. I, this is this is what I call like a date movie, right? Like you go to the movie theaters and hey, what's playing? Oh, it's Matthew McConaughey and Zoe Deschanel and Bradley Cooper. Let's let's watch it. And then you just never watch it again, right? Was it, you said Zoe Deschanel? I said she's probably the best actress in the movie or best actor in the movie. And you said apparently she's difficult to work with. Mm-hmm. So would she be like the Baker? Baker Mayfield here? Ooh. No, I think he's uh, he's ace, right? He's ace. Quirky. I really like I really like your Derek Carr Jacoby Ford vehicle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this was. I- yeah, a, this is a this is a good popcorn movie. Listen, if you you, you just need something on a Friday night, you don't want to you don't want to spend too much brain power watching a movie. This is a good one. Well, when I when I asked the writers in my class, and I said, "Don't you guys think this is kind of sexist that this is marketed towards y'all?" They just kind of laughed because, yeah. But I I understand your mom's point that she can go, she can do laundry, come back. You didn't miss anything. No. You know, uh, you, can, you're watching... you can get right back into the story without having to rewind it or anything like that. It's like watching Colts football, leaving the first quarter, yeah, go back fine. into the You'll fourth, and you you pretty much know there is happened. some appeal to that, right? Because I I've seen this happen with my mom. She'll be you know on Direct TV scrolling. Oh, there's 30 minutes left to fill your lunch. I can pop it in. I already know kind of what's going on. Boom, I'll finish it out. You know what I was thinking about tonight when I was knew we were going to do our podcast, watching this game, I can just sum it real, you know, it's a Megalodon. Uh, can I give you a new movie to watch for next week? 
Like one that you yeah, have, have to one that you actually have to watch and like focus on. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh let's do a, a really good one. Prisoners. Okay. It's a, it's a drama. A Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal. It's very, very good. Okay, should I rent this movie or buy it? I hate I would renting say, movies because I feel like it's a waste of money. No, but, I, I would say rent it because um, there's some pretty disturbing parts about it that I'm not sure you'd want to watch again. Didn't Jean-Claude Van Damme do a prison movie like Death Warrant or something? Something like that. This one's this one's a this is a tough one. It's a tough one. It's a, very conflicted, I will say. You know, you didn't watch Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan, so not yet. Not yet. I'm not going to give you another movie, but if I was, I'd give you Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme where he has a mullet and he wears the the Canadian tuxedo, the all denim, and Wilford Brimley plays his uncle. And, and they're archers, basically. <laughs> Why do you give me such bad movies to watch? I didn't give you a bad movie. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is a great movie. You just don't want to watch it because it's 1982, and you think that's, anything that, before the year 2000 is That's not bad. true at all. I love I love movies from the 80s. Okay, well, then you should watch this movie. The other thing is you're not a big sci-fi guy. Admittedly, that's you're true. not a big sci-fi guy. So I gave you something out of your, you know, and you gave me failure to launch. So that, listen, that's I all I got. I did not give you failure to launch, by the way. You just kind of wanted to watch this movie. Let me, let me, yes, he did. Let me sum up this podcast for you. Okay. Here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Max Crosby should probably be considered defensive player of the year or right there, uh, but he won't. Bobby Wagner's the first, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, love him or hate him. You got to give him his props for what happened tonight. The Raiders made some colossal mistakes uh, going forward. And I don't know. Their season is over. And Marcus did get that the Rams would cover tonight. So kudos to you. Um, I think you picked the Raiders to win outright, but you picked the Rams to cover. So uh, I did not. So kudos to Marcus on that front. And that's all I got. And uh, with that, I give you the final word. Do you want to talk anything at all about Daniel Snyder and the, with the oversight committee I had today? That's fine. Go ahead. I'm good. Uh, Basically, Daniel Snyder, not not a great guy. That's my takeaway after reading all the documents. Give me give me thirty seconds. Give me the cliff notes. Uh, basically, he hired a private investigator to follow around Bruce Allen, and Bruce Allen found out because he confronted one of the PIs out in his yard, who was told that he was supposed to follow Bruce Allen. Uh, he lied under oath many times, and the NFL uh, they they found that the NFL helped cover up some of the um some of the stuff that was going on in the washington commander's front office and in the organization and it was it was uh revealed today that it was the commanders who released or leaked the documents in the emails that got john gruden fired Mm. oh boy that makes that extra juicy okay i can't let that be your final word though it can't be on daniel snyder so what's a different final word (laughs) uh matthew mcconaughey uh, what's his, what's your favorite Matthew McConaughey movie of all time? Because I think his best performance ever came from Interstellar, which I, I'm not sure. Have you have you seen Interstellar? Oh, of course I have. Yeah. Okay. Who are you talking I think to that's here? that's the time that he's the most relatable, and he he's just an A plus movie star in that one. 
gotta say one of my favorite movies of all time so there you go you know i haven't seen uh dallas buyers club there's a movie there's a movie he did about a slave uprising in 2016 that was really good really really jones yep yes i like that movie a lot uh i thought he was excellent in that um you know, a lot of people will say that HBO show is his best performance that he did with Woody Harrelson, uh, True Detective. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that what it was called? Yep. Um, I like Contact. I don't necessarily think he was great in Contact, but I thought that was a really thoughtful, well-done sci-fi uh, that was in the 90s. And he was pretty good in Time to Kill, actually, with Samuel Jackson mm-hmm. and Sandra Bullock in 95. What about um, Days and Confused? Daisy, well, that that used to be his, for people my age, that's his iconic performance, you know. But uh, what about We Are Marshall? So, funny enough, my wife just watched that movie a few weeks ago. Uh, I get very, very good in that one. He had a nice little stretch there between 2011 and 2015 that was uh, The Lincoln Lawyer, uh, Alice Pyers Club, Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar, uh, we are Marshall was in there. Tropic Thunder was in there. Uh, yeah, a lot of good ones. Yeah, his part in Tropic Thunder was, you know, it was okay. Tropic Thunder had yeah. way, way better, uh, way better deals. I would say his worst movie uh, for me is got to be The Wedding Planner. Mm. I think that was with um, what's her guts, Jennifer Lopez. Yes, I saw that. I, I saw that in the theater. I hate his hair in that movie. I did too. I did too. I just hated his whole look. He's got like the glasses going on. He's got yeah. the bleach blonde hair. His performance in Interstellar was really on point. Yeah. Really yeah. on point. So um yeah, I'm I'm down. That that scene early, I'm not spoiling anything, but early in the movie when he's watching the videos of his daughter and his son talking. Yeah. I think that's the best scene he's ever been in. I I I really like the scene in that movie when was it Anne Hathaway? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil anything, but she really messed up on the planet. Like she did something she wasn't supposed to do, and it cost them all dearly. And they're kind of talking in their ship, you know. And he's just trying to get it together. And uh, anyway, I I thought he was really good in that movie. But uh, listen, that's enough from us tonight about Matthew McConaughey. Uh, if you missed right, tonight's right. game, yeah, if you missed tonight's game, uh, check it out, man. Go to YouTube. Yeah. Uh, check. Just watch the last two drives. That's all. <laughs> I could say something, but I'm not. Just just watch uh, the last two drives and you're fine. Uh, yeah. Save the rest uh, of the time. Go watch Failure Launch. Yeah. Josh McDaniels gets older. The Raiders' failures keep staying the same way. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's at Marcus underscore Mosher. He's the host of uh, Locked On Cowboys. And uh, also he covers the Raiders for USA Today, although that was not a joyous job uh, um, tonight. Uh, anything on PFF before I let you, before I uh, – Yeah, I'm going to be right about Josh McDaniels tomorrow. I got a feeling. So, Yeah. Before I finish my shill for you, uh, I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys. And if you ever have any thoughts on failure to launch, please send them to Marcus. Okay, thanks. Good night, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday night for Power Rankings. (laughs) 